Saturday, March 24th, 1984. Shermer High School, Shermer, Illinois. 60062. Now, while it's been 30 years and 11 months since the Breakfast Club sat in Saturday detention in the fictional world, last week marked the 30-year anniversary of John Hughes' 1985 film In the Real World. Entertaining 80s flick or self-development sensei? Maybe both. We'll see this week on Where There's Smoke. Welcome to Where There's Smoke, the show where we explore self-development through the lens of Hi, this is Nick Jaworski. I'm the editor and producer of Where There's Smoke, and I'm so sorry for interrupting the show. We will be right back to it in like 45 seconds. I just wanted to take a quick moment for both Brett and I to thank everybody for their support over the last few weeks. Our download numbers are growing like crazy, and it just feels amazing that people are loving what we do. So with that in mind, we do need to ask you a quick favor. Could you just tell one of your friends about the show? Just do it right now. Just text them. Say, hey, Where There Smoke is awesome. And while you're texting them, I'll just be here, just hanging out, and uh, you can just keep the podcast going. You can also text the word SMOKE to 66866, and that will put you on our mailing list. And like we said last week, if you text us or join our mailing list at our website, wherethersmoke.co, we will actually send you a picture of what we are doing right now. And we've been having some fun with that, uh, with some people who signed up last week. So... Tell your friends about the show, email them, tweet them, text them, literally just grab their phone from them and subscribe. That would be amazing. And then also text the word smoke to 66866, which spells on Tom. So text the word smoke to on Tom. That should clear it up. All right, let me just rewind real quick. And there you go. Thanks. Welcome to Where There's Smoke, the show where we explore self-development through the lens of current events, sports, and pop culture. My name is Brett Gaida, and I am your host. As I sat down to write this week's episode, planning to springboard off the 30th anniversary of The Breakfast Club, I'll admit it, it almost turned into a 15-minute gushing on the greatness of John Hughes. I mean, check out this run as writer and or director from 1983 to 1991. Mr. Mom, National Lampoon's Vacation, 16 Candles, A Breakfast Club, European Vacation, Weird Science, Pretty in Pink, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Some Kind of Wonderful, Planes, Trades, and Automobiles, Uncle Buck, Christmas Vacation, Home Alone, and Career Opportunities. All right, I'll admit I snuck career opportunities in there. But Frank Whaley, Jennifer Connelly, come on. I mean, if you ignore the whole robber subplot, it's actually a super enjoyable movie. Anyway, Jennifer and Target aside, that is a run, man. And for me, that run happened between the ages of 12 and 20 in my life. So for those of you keeping score, those would be my teenage years. I mean, you could actually create a strong three-team debate on what had the greatest influence on my values during those formidable years. My parents, John Hughes, or Def Leppard. In this corner, weighing in at 339 pounds, Mr. and Mrs. Gaida. Work hard. Be nice to people. Fight for what's right. In corner number two, represented by several characters, insights, and ideologies, Gian Hughes! Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. And in the third corner, hailing from Sheffield, England, Def Leppard! But, as I do, I digress. And this is where there's smoke. 
And so I had to reel myself back and remind myself that we are here to learn and grow. And so if our teacher today is the Breakfast Club, what can we learn from this 1985 classic? Now, before I go on, I will suggest you pay extra close attention in this episode as we are going to try something a little different today. We are going, we are going to write an essay of no less than a thousand words describing to me who you think you are. Describing to me who you think you are. Back to what we can learn. I did find this great article online by someone called The Midnight Writer, and it's titled Five Lessons Every Man Can Learn from the Breakfast Club. My favorite of the five? Every man needs a catchphrase. I think that's pretty solid life advice. I mean, it certainly worked out for Clinton Arney. Go ahead. Make my day. I'll be back. Though, maybe not so much for the reference Principal Vernon. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. And throughout the movie, there are several more life lessons and insights that could prove to be very valuable in our lives, including, though far from limited to, no one believes you have a girlfriend in Canada, and... That screws fall out all the time. The world's an imperfect place. That said, as I watched this movie again last week, I was struck by a single common thread that weaves through the whole movie. And I believe in this thread, there are some very strong learnings for us today. And that thread is empathy. This movie is 30 years old and it has aged tremendously well, as I feel many of John Hughes' movies have. And I believe that it's largely due to John's understanding of human emotion. And much like we discussed in last week's episode on stories, it is not the specifics of any of these movies which we relate to, it's the emotions. The feelings felt by the characters powerfully transferred to us through great storytelling. We empathize with the movies as the movies empathize with us. In The Breakfast Club, there are several universal themes that apply powerfully to all of us, regardless of our age, sex, vocation, race, or interests. Huh. Just as Anthony Michael Hall's character suggests in their final collective essay. But what we found out is that each one of us is a brain, and an athlete, and a basket case, a princess, and a criminal. The Breakfast Club is not just about those five teenagers in the library. It is also about the adults, the parents, the principal, the janitor. John Hughes does an incredible job of giving us a glimpse into their emotions, directly and indirectly. In one scene, we hear Principal Vernon express the disappointment in his life and a feeling that the kids have turned on him. At that time, he's scared. Scared for his own future and who will take care of him. Do you have moments like this where you realize that everyone has fears? That we're all just doing the best we can? You know, I'm a father now, and I'm 43 years old, and I don't feel that much different than I did when I was 21. I've got a few more things figured out, I think, but who of us can even be sure of that? And I've talked to many who have had this experience as they get older, realizing that our parents were probably scared out of their minds. While we were looking at them thinking they knew how it all worked, they were just making it up as they went along. And as many of us realize that, I think we pick up the phone, or we swing by their home, or we look to the sky. And we say, thank you, mom, thank you, dad, or grandma, or uncle, or whoever raised you. We appreciate that they battled through their fears to at least put on a brave face and do their best. And now many of us exist in the business world. And even with this knowledge, we forget that a similar is true for those around us as well. Simply put, everyone has challenges. Perhaps one starting point for empathy is to remind yourself that the entire world doesn't rotate around you. Only your world does. And this is true for everyone. 
I work with managers around the world on how to best handle difficult conversations and challenging relationships. And I remind them that their bosses are not the end of the rope. They are just a link in the chain like them. Everyone is being pressured by someone while they are pressuring someone else. Everyone is being asked for answers at the same time they're asking you for answers. As much as you think, man, this person is on my case, know that someone is probably on their case too. When your boss screams at you, you never scream back. That's why there's a little thing in corporate America I like to call the chain of screaming. Chain of screaming. The chain of screaming starts at the top. Arthur's boss's boss screams at Arthur's boss. Arthur's boss screams at Arthur. Arthur screams at you. You go home and scream at Lily. Lily screams at one of the kids in her kindergarten class. Then that kid screams at her dad, Arthur's boss's boss. And I highlight this not as an excuse to anyone's behavior, but to implore you to try and understand it. To perhaps imagine walking in their shoes for a moment so you can feel for them instead of feeling about them. And then, if I were coaching you, I'd suggest taking yourself out of the emotion of it all and considering a couple of powerful perspectives. The biggest one being, what's your role in all of this? How much of this has to do with you? What are you creating? Because we like to point fingers. But A, you can't control anyone else, so it makes a lot more sense to focus on you anyway. And B, oftentimes when we get angry at someone or hurt by something, it is actually ourselves we are angry at or hurt by. Oftentimes we don't want to look inward, and so we project our negative emotions at others. We let ourselves believe it is all them and they need to change, when in actuality, we are the ones we have an issue with. When this happens and I see others doing it, I immediately think of an incredibly powerful process called The Work by Byron Katie. And while The Work has many functions to help us break through stories that are not serving us, one step is called The Turnaround. And it directly addresses this idea of how we project or don't see our role in the negative situations that involve us. The work suggests that any statement, aka story, you have can be turned around to the self or the other. So what does that look like? Well, for example, if I was upset because I feel Jennifer doesn't care about me, Byron Katie would say, Turn it around. And I would first consider that I don't care about me. And in a gentle process, perhaps look at the ways that I am not caring about myself. Because what's easier, changing the way I eat so I'm treating myself with care or being pissed at Jennifer because she didn't call me back? Avoiding is easier, but the emotion has to go somewhere and so we often send it out. Secondly, I take this belief that Jennifer doesn't care about me and I turn it around again, this time to I don't care about Jennifer. And here we start to see how perhaps we are creating the situation and certainly contributing to it the ways we are showing up with that person that perhaps we don't want to look at. Again, instead of doing the hard work on us, we project and make it about others. Now, we would need a whole other podcast to dig deeper into Byron Katie's work, and we may very well do that. But while we've been over here hanging with Byron, what about those five delinquent teenagers? I mean, heck, by now, they're probably running around the hallways. So what else does The Breakfast Club have to teach us about empathy? Well, what about empathy for ourselves? 
Yes, empathy by definition is encompassing feelings, thoughts, and experiences of another. However, over time, different models of empathy have arose, and common in many of them is self-empathy. We are of many minds and levels of consciousness, and we often find ourselves in situations where part of us wants to do one thing yeah. and another part of us is judging ourselves for do it. it. No, During those yeah. internal struggles, how can we empathize with ourselves, be in tune with what's going on, and handle ourselves with care? The Breakfast Club reminds us how damaging it can be when we either measure ourselves by where others are or by what others think of us. Both Anthony Michael Hall and Molly Ringwald's characters are ridiculed because they may be virgins. Think about that. I mean, when did we make having sex a badge of honor for kids? <laughs> I've got nothing against sex, but it ain't exactly an accomplishment. Man, I mean, if only George Watsky were around back then to throw up a V in that library. So y'all can call me Dr. Big Papa. And throw your V's in the air if you're a true player. And wave them side to side like you just don't care. And for everyone here, This lesson about peer pressure is so powerful. And it's one that we must remind ourselves of over and over. You know, this may sound silly, but I remember learning it in high school typing class. Yes, I said high school typing class, like on an actual typewriter. And I was adamant that I would not look at my keyboard. I would learn to type blind and eventually be able to blaze on the keyboard. But as I tried to stay true to my ways, others started looking at their keyboard. And because they were, they were going faster than me. And on every exercise, I was falling behind and I was starting to feel less than. And I felt like the teacher was disappointed in me and others were thinking, what's that guy's problem? And even though I knew that in the bigger picture, I would learn the right way and be the faster typer, I caved. And now I'm typing this script, half looking at the keyboard, and I still am reminded of the cost I paid for comparing myself to others in that moment. And that bridges us to the second part of this, which is measuring ourselves by what others think of us. Because what was I really afraid of in that typing class? Was it the grade? No. It was what others around me thought of me as I typed so much slower than them. I was caught in their judgments and in turn my judgments on myself and I let that overpower what I knew was right. You know, at this point in our history, we have enough success stories about the kids who were picked on in high school because they were different to know that it is worth it to stay the course. Which is not to say that staying the course is easy. Kevin Hall, who is our guest in the second half of this show, reminded me of this great E.E. E. Cummings quote. He said, to be nobody but yourself in a world which is doing its best day and night to make you like everybody else means to fight the hardest battle which any human being can fight and never stop fighting. That is intense and true. This thing called life ain't easy. It can beat you down some days. And one thing I do believe is that we are all in this together. So imagine we're all on the sidelines right now and you're about to go back in the game. What if you went back in with an intention of empathy? What if the next time you get terrible service at a restaurant, instead of leaving half a tip, you leave double the tip? Because you consider that the reason your server is dragging a bit or missing a few things is because they're having a really rough day. You know, maybe they lost somebody or they got hurt or they're powering through a virus. You know, what if contrary to your belief, they are doing their best and trying with their all even if the results are a bit subpar. 
not to excuse anyone, but to include everyone in the compassion you have the ability to give. How does that sound? Oh, and before you go, don't forget to hand in that essay. Dear Mr. Gaida, we accept the fact that we had to sacrifice a whole 30 minutes listening to a podcast to help our personal development. But we think you're crazy to make us write an essay telling you who we think we are. The world may see us as they want to see us, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definition. But we will lead by example. We found empathy today and discovered that each one of us is a leader and a follower and a teacher, a student, and a dreamer. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours, the Where There's Smoke Club. Don't you forget about me. My guest this week is a man who every time we speak, I learn something, and I feel his authentic passion and care for others. Kevin Hall is an author and a speaker and a self-proclaimed word nerd. He wrote one of my top 10 favorite books called Aspire, Discovering Your Purpose Through the Power of Words. The book has now been translated into 18 languages, and in the next two years, Kevin will speak more internationally than he will in North America. We had a conversation for almost an hour, and Nick and I did our best to distill out some of the key thoughts and ideas relevant to this week's show. We're going to jump right in with Kevin talking about the word empathy. So let's talk about empathy, because E-M, in almost any word, if you have an E-N, like encourage, or an E-M, like empathy, it means in. And path, is what empathy is. The P-A-T-H-Y is just path. So literally, the origin of that word, and I've researched it in several languages, is to get into the path of someone else. Just to walk, literally, empathy means to walk the path of another. Hmm. You hear it often say, get into somebody else's world. And it's kind of the difference between showing up. You can be a great influencer, you can be a great marketer, a salesperson, But people without empathy kind of show up and say, oh, here I am. They're very self-driven. Here I am, where people with empathy show up and say, oh, there you are. Big difference to just recognize the greatness in in others. So I don't, and this is a very, you know, obviously a very, very common fear in our society. And actually, in our first episode, uh, my guest, Cortland Warren, brought it up, you know, and it's going to weave through, I'm sure, a lot, this idea of, you know, this fear that human beings have or this belief that we often have that we're not enough. So if I'm stuck in that feeling of I'm not enough, right? I'm, I'm feeling less than, I'm afraid, I'm in scarcity. What you said earlier was that when we serve someone else, 
that our heart's power becomes, I believe you said, 5,000 times stronger. So I would imagine that links to what you just said of, okay, so I'm feeling like I'm not enough, I'm afraid, I'm in scarcity. Suddenly I stop making it about me and I start saying, who can I serve? Well, now I probably become more courageous, do I not? Yeah, so of course, you, you hear the saying, Brett, by the way, you, you're pretty good at this, Brett, you should get into podcasts, maybe that's <laughs> something you should consider doing. You, you hear the statement that fortune favors the brave. Well, again, in the Romantic languages, in Spanish, in Latin, C-O-U-R, is heart. So when I serve somebody, we love those we serve. We love those that we serve. So when we start to come from a service base, now we're coming from heart and love. That is so much different than fear. Fear is I have to do it. Love is I want to choose to. I desire to do it. You got a couple other questions and let's really dig down. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things I want to make sure we get to is, uh, you know, you, you teased it a little earlier. You mentioned these three questions because one of the things I like to do on this show is, you know, we talk about a lot of ideas and that's great, right? We're, we're, you know, we're human beings and, and we're intelligent enough that we can take awareness and we can put it into action. But I also like to make sure that we give people some real tangible things that they can actually, you know, act on. And it, it, it sounds like th- these three questions are probably, uh, fit into that category. So I'd love you to, to, uh, talk about those a little more and, 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 and let's see where that conversation goes. Thanks, Brett. And anybody listening to this call, boy, we really align well with that, Brett, because to learn and to not do is to not learn. And I like hands-on training, whether I'm doing a a keynote, an entire training session could be half a day, one or two days. If you don't do anything with it, it's, it's not worth anything. And so I want you to come to this podcast as a teacher. And I'm going to ask you to teach two of the concepts that I share on this podcast with Brett or that Brett teaches you with at least two other people within the next two days. If you do that, you will apply these principles. So here's something that you could share with somebody because when you teach something, you learn it twice. You come as a, you know, as a learner, that's one thing. But now when you come as a teacher, you've got to be more intentional and it takes your learning and the application of it to a much higher level. Here's the three questions, Brett. All right. These are unique to me and they'll be in the new book on healing. They're not in Aspire. Question one, how can I bring more joy into my life each day? We're here to have joy. We're here to be happy. We're here to be blissful. How can I bring more joy into my life each day? Now, before we link that with question two, one of my favorite all-time books is Power of Myth by Joseph Campbell. And he writes in Power of Myth, the way to find out about your happiness is to keep your mind on those moments when you feel most happy, when you really are happy. Not excited, not thrilled, but deeply happy. Deeply happy to me, Brett, is joy. Going back to Joseph Campbell, what is it that makes you happy? Stay with it, no matter what people tell you. That is what I call following your bliss. When he was interviewed by Bill Moyer, pre-internet, pre-viral YouTube, anything else. He used three words, follow your bliss. Those words circled the globe in a matter of days because it connected with people. People want to tap into bliss, deep happiness. I call it simply joy. 
So one, how can I bring more joy into my life each day? You really need to meditate on that, get into nature. Nature works, that nature doesn't work. When we're done today, I'm gonna go hike and jog and bike today. It's a beautiful day. And you tap into your nature when you answer that question. Here's question two, Brett. This is where the rubber meets the road. How can I become greater at what I'm greatest at? How can I become greater at what I'm greatest at? I said earlier, we have gifts. You couldn't have a gift without a giver. You honor the giver of your gifts when you open them, and then you do what? You serve other people with them. When you serve them, you go from fear to love, from I have to, to I choose to, I desire to, I want to. You don't just have gifts. Anybody listening to this podcast, you don't just have gifts. You have gifts of greatness. I'm only kind of good at three or four things. Hopefully, it's speaking, coaching writing, creating content, and connecting. That's it. If I do anything else, it's a disaster. So how can I become, how can I master that and become greater? How can I become a better speaker? How can I become a better writer? How can I become better at creating content? How can I become greater at connecting people to their purpose? That's my dream. My dream is to help people realize their dreams. Well, when you answer to you're really answering one, because what brings you joy is what's in your DNA. You were created with certain gifts. In a forest of 100,000 trees, no two leaves are alike. Your path is as unique as the footprints that you place on that path. It shouldn't be like anybody else's. I got to find out what my, and you know what your greatest gifts are, because you will say it to yourself, and people say it to you. You'll say, hey, I'm a natural at this. People say that you're a natural at this. You were born to do this. This is in your nature. It comes second nature to you. I just said earlier, what we've heard all the time, it's not my phrase, nature works, but nature doesn't work. And you'll often say, I would do it for, finish that statement, Brett. Oh, for nothing. For nothing. Why would you do something for nothing? Because it's what you're meant to do. I'm not getting paid to do this podcast. I'm not looking for anything from this. But sharing a gift or a thought or an idea that will get people on path and on purpose, that's, that's what gets me out of bed every morning. So that's question two. Question one, how can I bring more joy into my life each day? Question two, how can I become greater at what I'm greatest at? Question three, how can I best serve others with my greatness? So again, it's not about you. So I'm going to master what I'm greatest at. I'm going to become the very best. I'm going to do my very best. There's the four agreements say, you just do your best. That's all you can do. And then how can I, question three, how can I best serve others with my greatness? You answer those three questions, you're going to start to engage the power of your heart. And then things that you thought were impossible become possible. I don't know if I have a question so much as just a comment. I mean, it's great because you... You know, you talk about being a word nerd and, and I am, you know, I'm a word nerd myself in the fact that I'm a speaker and what I'm always attempting to do is how can I use words to be a catalyst for people, to inspire people, to move people? How can I take this feeling I have inside and effectively have it come out of my mouth so other people hopefully feel a little bit about what I feel? And to me, that's really the power of words. And as you really summed up those three questions, I felt my whole body vibrating and it's just a really cool thing right when 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 these these ideas these words can can go into my ears and then actually formulate as feelings and emotions and that last question reminded me it's something i've never mentioned on the podcast actually though many people who have heard me speak over the years or read things i've written have probably seen this 
when I was 23, 24 years old, I met a, a gentleman and, and, uh, you know, he was pretty successful and, and I, I viewed him as very, very successful. He, in my eyes, he, he made a lot of money. He was really happy. He was doing really cool things. And he said to me, he said, well, Brett, do you want to know the, you know, the secret to making a million dollars? And I'm a 23 year old kid. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the secret? And he said, go out and help 10 other people make a million dollars. Just, you know, and that just resonated with me for, you know, I, I've always thought about that in all my businesses. I've always just thought if I just go out and help others do what they want to do, you know, my success will come. And, and for me, that actually is my success, just like you, Kevin. I mean, my success is helping, you know, other people do that. So that, that just got this really great resonance um, in me when, when, you, when you said that. Thank you for sharing that. You just triggered a couple of thoughts. I think it was Napoleon Hill that taught that timeless principle that all thought has a tendency to clothe itself in its physical equivalent. And you just talked about you had this feeling, people call it goosebumps. I call them truth bumps. You hear something that connects with your heart. Your blood flows right through your skin. Those are truth bumps because mm-hmm. you're, you're learning the truth about your, yourself. And again, when we can use words and language that lift the human spirit, it creates an entire new paradigm of thinking, of listening, of influencing. And instead of like the example I gave before coming into a room, here I am, you say, oh, there you are. Instead of what can I get, our mentality shifts to what can I give. Givers get. We receive what we desire for others. I don't know if that's my quote or a combination of something I've read. I always reference where a quote comes from. I yep. share that all the time. We receive what we desire from others. And I think it's part of the Emerson quote. He called it one of the beautiful compensation of this life, for you cannot sincerely try to help another without helping yourself. They rise highest. Two final statements. We often hear that's statement that we would say as children, sticks and stones may break my bones. Finish that, Brett. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That is so untrue. When you share a word, see, we can choose to heal or we can choose to wound. We can choose to affirm or choose to reject. We can choose to inspire or choose to expire. We can choose to praise or criticize, appreciate, depreciate, encourage or discourage. We can choose to focus on other strengths or to focus on their weaknesses. It's up to us. And again, when we shift, it becomes what can I give instead of what can I give? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can break my heart. When you send a word out, it's going to wound or reject or expire or criticize or depreciate or discourage or focus on weaknesses. Once you send that arrow out from the bow and you release it, you can't get it back. It's too late. And so, again, I think it's so important to be intentional with the words that you use. Brett, (laughs) you're an A1 all-star. If I can ever serve you, if I can ever serve anyone on this podcast, let me know. You can find me on Facebook, Kevin Hall Aspire, Kevin Hall Like. My email is kevin at powerboards.com, or they can get you. They can reach out to you. You know how to call my private cell. Yep. And, and, and that's my greatest joy is to help somebody discover their purpose and fulfill it. My dream is to help people realize their dreams. So thank you for 
giving me the gift today of sharing my gifts, hopefully with if just one idea, one thought. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin, again. And um, we will talk again soon. Thanks, Brett. All my best. It occurred to me last week that some of our listeners may have a Pavlovian response to our theme song kicking in at the end of each episode. Maybe you think, oh, that's it, and you stop listening. So before we start the music this week, I wanted all of you to know that some of my favorite moments in the show have been in the credits. They are always full of surprises. So keep listening. All right, roll music. That is almost a wrap for this episode of Where There's Smoke. I mentioned last week that I did a long-form interview for the Be, Build, Have podcast. That interview is now live and out there. I share some more background on the show and myself, as well as plenty of insights and strategies for life. If you're curious, go give it a listen. You can find it at BeBuildHave.com or search for Be, Build, Have on iTunes. It is episode 92, release date February 23rd. Before we get to a cool interactive shout out, I want to introduce a new segment on Where There's Smoke, something we call Who's Listening to Us in Ghana? Hey, according to our latest download stats, this show has been downloaded 21 times in Ghana. Now I realize that's not a lot, but that's at least four people. And we want to know who you are. That is so cool. So if you are listening to this right now and you live in Ghana, please reach out. Go to our website at wherethersmoke.co and leave us a voicemail. Email us at connect at wherethersmoke.co. Tweet me at Brett Gaida. Whatever works, but we will not rest until we connect with you. We have received some fantastic correspondences from listeners this week by email, Twitter, and voicemail. Please keep them coming. One was from Luke Ferris in East Lansing, Michigan. He left a voicemail on our website sharing some cool serendipity linked to our episode on stories. It was really interesting because that was how I pitched myself in a recent interview for a job. I said that I just wanted to tell great stories. Um, and it was interesting because right after that, I listened to your podcast and it affirmed that people want people to tell stories and tell great stories and tell them effectively. And he ended the voicemail by sharing that he got the job. Congratulations, Luke. We also got an email from a listener named Santosh in New Jersey. He shared some thoughts on our episode on visualization, as well as a New York Times article. We love the interaction. Thank you, Santosh. And it sparked some thoughts for us. So we will be doing a mini episode on it. This will be separate from our weekly Tuesday episodes, though the same quality and production you would expect from us. It will be a bonus WTS episode for you. We're not sure if we're going to release it this week, or next, but as long as you're subscribed on iTunes and our mailing list, you'll know when it happens. Thank you to each and every one of you who took time this week to review the show. It makes a huge difference. You keeping us high and visible in the iTunes new and noteworthy charts helps listeners like Luke and Santosh to find us. Reminder, for a limited time only, when you join our mailing list, we will email you a picture of what we're doing at that very moment. Now, I have to admit, this crazy idea of Nick's has been super fun. So if you're not on our mailing list, here's another great reason to join. You can do it at our website, wherethersmoke.co, or by text right now. Just text the word SMOKE to 66866. It'll text you back for an email. Provide that, and you are in. Hey, before I get to our special show MVP, Where There's Smoke is written and hosted by me, Brett Gaida, and produced and edited by the incredible Nick Jaworski. If you want your podcast to sound as awesome as this one, reach out to Nick through podcastmonster.com. Our theme song is by Des McKinney with additional music by Kevin McLeod. To see the show notes, which include links to all of the clips used in each episode... 
go to www.wherethersmoke.co. This week, I would like to award the show MVP to the stupendous George Watsky. I'm talking big fat V on my Letterman's jacket because I'm varsity sexy. So hold your head high in the struggle, have pride in the struggle. I can't rock your world, but damn, can I cuddle, girl? That clip is from the 2006 You Speaks Teen Poetry Slam in San Francisco, and I was in the audience live. I first saw George perform in 2003, and he grabbed me from minute one. It has been inspiring and joyful to watch him continue to create and be a force for good in the world. And I just wanted to say, George, thank you for being your full expression. With that, we are at the end of today's show. Thank you for listening. We love and appreciate you, and we will see you in the next episode. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.